0: I am excited to be with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Jamie is out uh, on a vacation last Sunday of the year, and uh, I am pulling double duty for you. So uh, it is a privilege for me. Uh, anytime I get to stand and, and share God's Word, um, I count it an honor and a privilege, and I'm, I'm humbled uh, to be able to do this. And, and uh, I'm excited to look into God's Word with you and learn This morning, we have been in a series called Ancestry.God, and we've looked back through the lineage of Jesus. We started with Adam, uh, the the very first, uh, the bloodline of Jesus. We we talked about uh, crazy Uncle Noah. We talked about the black sheep of the family last week, Rahab. And this week, we're going to talk about what probably could be considered a feather in the cap of a lineage of most anybody, would be royalty. King David was, uh, was part of Jesus' ancestry, and we know that. Uh, it's traced back. Jesus is referred to in the Bible as Jesus, son of David, several different times. And so we're going to look uh, in 1 Samuel 16 is where we're going to be today. 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. We've just come through uh, Christmas. I hope, again, that you and your family had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Some of you got to spend the holidays with family. And some of you, that's a great experience. Some of you, that's a okay experience. And some of you, that's maybe not a good experience. And I'm sorry if it's that way. But everybody has different feelings about how they spend uh, spend the holidays with family. Because everybody, you know, you have those family members. You love them because they're family, but you you don't want to really hang out with them. Uh, does, yeah. Does anybody have don't show of hands? You have relatives like that, and everybody does. And I've told people this before. Uh, I think everybody has relatives like that. You love them because they're family. You don't really want to hang out with them very long. But if you don't have relatives like that, you might be that relative. It's just, just a thought. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but but it's a time to spend with family. We've been looking back at Jesus' family. And I thought about how to share about King David. And there, we could spend... Several Sundays, uh, we could spend three or four series worth of messages talking about King David, and I, I tried to find what would be best for this Sunday. And I, I thought about the very first appearance of David in the Bible. This is it, for Samuel sixteen seven. Um, it's a very special chapter to me, um, and I'll share with you why a little bit later. But look at First Samuel sixteen seven, and we will look at that together. First thirteen. Verses where we're going to be. Chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king from among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you should do from there. And you shall anoint for me one, uh, him who I declare to you. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded, came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came out to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his outward appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart then Jesse called Abimadad, Abimadab uh, and, ma- and made him pass before Samuel, and neither, was the Lord cho- neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shama to pass before, and neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest But behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send to get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And they sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy, had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. And the Lord says, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah very first appearance that we have of David is he's being anointed by Samuel. As we look at these verses, three very brief points that I want to make this morning. First, we see that God had a plan. There was a backstory here. Saul was the king of Israel. Uh, Israel had complained, wanting a king to be like other nations. We want a king. Samuel had petitioned for the people uh, before the Lord that they want a king. Can we please give them a king? God finally gave in, gave them a king. It was Saul. Saul, through several points of disobedience, was rejected by God as king. And God said, it's time for a new king. God had a plan. He had a plan to give Israel a new king. He let let Samuel in on that plan. There was a need, and God wanted to meet that need God promises us in Jeremiah, if you look in your digging deeper part of your bulletin later on this week, Jeremiah 29.11 is one of those verses, that God has plans for us. I know the plans for you, declares the Lord. They're plans for good and not for evil. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. I think if we were all honest, and and if I just asked you, you think God has a plan for life in general? I would, I would think most Christians would say yes. If I got specific and said, do you think God has a plan for your life? Again, I think your response would be, yes, God has, God has an answer. God has a plan. But sometimes it's so hard for us to trust that God has a plan for us. Coming through Christmas is a great time to think about men and putting together, oh my gosh, I've put together so many toys for my little ones. Guys, did you, how many guys had to put together something this Christmas? grandpa or, or, or dad, or even mom, somebody had to put together something. Women are a little bit different. Men, we have a stubbornness about us that we just rip open the box and start throwing stuff together, putting together. And I usually, I usually try to put it together the best I can, and I usually run into a spot. Either I have things that I don't know where they go, or I start building something that doesn't look anything like what's on the box. And my wife comes up to me, and she says, did you look at the instructions or the manual? And I say, no, don't need those instructions. But, lo and behold, when I look at the instructions, I see, oh, okay, here we go. There was a plan on how to put this thing together. God has a plan for our life. He's given us instructions. And so many times we go through life and we go through problems and we tell people about our problems. We have problems. We we post online. We're having this problem. Please pray for me. But before we even go and get on our knees and say, God, show me. An answer to this problem before we go to the instruction manual and even search for ourselves We're so quick to just say man. I've got problems. I don't know what the answers are I got problems and I don't know why But before we even take time to trust that God has a plan or even research God's plan for our life God has a plan for our life. And again, he's promised that it's a good plan But it's so hard for us sometimes to trust we used to did a did a youth conference uh, just a few weeks back, uh, our Impact Weekend. And one of the questions the speaker asked is, why is it so difficult for us to submit to God's plan for our life? And one of the answers that came out of the audience of that, of that question, just a, a girl sitting towards the back, and, uh, and she raised her hand, and she said just something that I found was so deep, and I think, I think Todd might have shared that Sunday morning when he was sharing, but he said, she said, I'm afraid that my dreams won't fit into God's plan for my life. And I think that's so true of so many of us. We have plans, we have dreams, we have hopes, we have things that we want in our life and out of our life. And sometimes we're afraid that if we trust God with our life and give God our life and say, God, do what you want to with my life, maybe my dreams and my hopes and my plans won't fit into what God has for me. And I can't promise you that it will, But I can rest on the promise that he's given us that his plans are so much better than ours. His plans are for our good, for our benefit, to prosper us. And prosper doesn't mean all blessings and good things will come to us, we will be rich. It's not the prosperity gospel. it's, It's saying that he will cause things to work together for good in our life. God has a plan. We're not the first ones to have trouble trusting God's plan because the second point is God's plan was questioned. It didn't make sense to Samuel. That Samuel saw that oldest son. He said, "This has got to be the king of Israel." No, not him. The second son. Yeah, let's let's bring him. No, no. Jesse's like the third. I got I got I got some more. Jesse and Samuel are baffled that none of the oldest sons are chosen. It made so little sense to them that they didn't even call David in from the field. Can't be David. Can't be him. Maybe you've been at a point in your life where you felt like it can't be me. God can't use me. God can't really have a a big plan for my life. Yeah, he has plans for other people because they're talented, they're gifted. They have this, they have that. Not me. Not me. Students have heard this story several times in our our student ministry, but when I was growing up, when I was in middle school, I was probably in some of the hardest times of my life. I was about as big around as I am now but I was in about a 5 foot 1 body. I was just a little roly-poly kid and I was an easy target for bullies and in my 6th grade, 7th grade year constantly constantly bullied. Almost every day I'd have guys just come up. I was just a target. Had three or four guys in my class who just came up and they would just punch me. They would just hit me. They would hit me in the arm, hit me in the back. You know, just picking on me. And, and I, I started to, to develop just a very very bad self-image. Um, and I, I grew up in the 80s, saw the 80s movies, saw the 80s TV shows. So I was watching, oh gosh, Different Strokes. Some of you guys remember that, that, that show. So I watched The Karate Kid. Those were my favorite movies. Ralph Macchio, not the new one, the old one, Pat Morita, Ralph Macchio. And I saw all these things that said, man, if you stand up to your bullies, man, if you just stand up to them, they will respect you. It will be awesome. Well, I went to school one day. And my biggest, the biggest bully in my, in my class was named Scott Robertson. And he sat behind me in Mrs. Isaac's English class. And over to the left of us sat a girl named Jennifer Hendricks, who I kind of had, my little chubby body and, and personality had a little crush on Jennifer Hendricks, okay? Way out of my league, couldn't, couldn't even dream of that. But Scott started picking on me, and Jennifer said, hey, leave him alone. And I was like, Oh, well, to me, that meant she liked me, right? Middle, middle middle school logic is she likes me. And so then I started trying to act tough. And I smarted, I can't remember what I said. I smarted off to Scott and he said, man, he said, I'm going to get you after, after class. And I, I had seen the Rocky movies, Rocky 3 or 4, or something like that. And I turned around and I was like, go for it. But I was a little seventh grade guy, so I was like, go for it. <laughs> so <laughs> trembling as it were, and I thought, you know what? This is fourth hour. You know what's after fourth hour? There's lunch. There's not really many teachers around back then. Lunch, Teachers went to the l- teacher's lounge during lunch, and we're by ourselves. And I'm telling you, he came and found me. He didn't forget. He came and found me. And I thought, you know what? This is it. This is my time. This is my moment in time. I'm going to stand up for myself. So he started picking on me, and I balled up my little chubby fist about as tight as I could. And I just swung with everything I had, and I hit him right in the nose. Boom, hit him right in the nose. Staggered back, and I thought, this is it. The music's going to start playing like the movies. Yes, I've stood up to my bully. He'll respect me. Uh, it didn't happen. I woke up, it was the next day. He beat me so, that it just didn't happen that way. Listen, there were, it was, it, I can laugh about it now, but it was a very traumatic part of my life. I started to develop a very poor self-image, self-worth. Even got to the point where I, I contemplated suicide a time or two. Just thought, this is all there is. I don't, I don't even want to be here. You hear stuff enough, you start to believe it. And I started to believe I was worthless. Started to believe I wasn't going to amount to anything. I started to believe nobody wanted me. Nobody could ever use me. And out of one of the darkest times of my life, God called me and said, "I heard I heard a sermon at church one day that said God has a plan for your life." And they preached out of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and that's what I'd been waiting to hear. That's a whole other story, and I can't. I wish it was just it just magically happened, but it was a process that God walked me through, and I'll share that another time. But God pulled me out of that dark time of my life and showed me that He had a plan. And right as He showed me that, another storm came along. My mom and dad set me and my sister, my brother down one. Thursday night and said dad's going to be moving out uh, my parents had, been, had been, been married almost 20 years my dad was a Baptist minister divorce happened in other families not in mine but my whole foundation of my world was my family and it was suddenly ripped apart and I'm asking God why is this happening to me and again through another dark time of my life God began to show me, I'm here with you. I haven't left you. I haven't abandoned you. And when I was 17 years old, I, I surrendered to God's call on my life to ministry. And I wish I could, I could say it's been an easy road, it's been a great road, and I haven't had any trouble since. It's been, a, it's been a tough road. But God has brought me to where I am today, and I love the fact that I've been able to minister to students for more than 20 years. And looking back on my experiences... Those dark times in my life, right now in today's culture, 75 getting closer to 80% of students that I deal with come from a broken home or a single parent home. And I don't think I could be as empathetic to those students as I'm able to be if I hadn't gone through that storm in my life. Many students, many adults struggle with their self image their self worth, and I still can pull and draw on feelings that I had back then listen i 'll be honest enough to tell you there I fight that little middle school boy inside of me on a daily basis there's scars that are deep there 's hurts that are deep, and they still show up in my personality from time to time i still i know i 'm really loud and and i 'm I'm outgoing and things like that, but there are times that I shrink back in and I'm introverted and I'm I'm a scared little middle school boy at times. There there are battles that I'll fight for the rest of my life because of things like that. But again, students are struggling with those things and I can be empathetic. God, I don't feel like God wished those things on me or cursed those things on me, but he allowed me to go through those storms of life and he used those things to bring me into a ministry that he had set up for me. God uses hard times. God uses tough times. God uses plans that we don't understand to equip us to be the people he wants us to be. In David's life, he was out in the field uh tending sheep. The Bible tells us he killed a uh, a lion, he killed a bear. He I can't help but think he probably had target practice out there with that with that slingshot. You know, nobody people had forgotten him. But I believe that God was honing his skills for that day, his coming out party against that, that giant. He let that rock fly, and it hit him right and square in the head, and it killed him. Times that probably David didn't even think about back then, God was using to hone him. When Moses, going back to a little further in the Old Testament, Moses killed the Egyptian. Remember that story? He ran off into the wilderness, found his wife, married his wife, became a shepherd for many years, and Moses had to think, man, I was a prince of Egypt. And I had it all. I'm out here in the wilderness. I'm a shepherd. I'm, I'm an outcast. I can't go back. He probably learned survival skills out in the wilderness, being a shepherd. Probably learned a lot of things about the wilderness. Where did he spend most of his ministry when God called him out? 40 years, as a matter of fact, leading God's people through that wilderness. God was using a storm in his life to equip him for a ministry. Just because things are bad, just because things are dark, just because you've gone through storms, don't think that God's abandoned you. Don't think that God doesn't have a plan for you. Don't think that God can't use you. Too many people are sitting on the sidelines today because they think, well, I've had this happen in my life. I've had this happen in my life. I'm not qualified to serve God. Listen, here's the truth that I want you to hold on to. What's true about you is what God says about you. Not, because what, not, not, about, not what other people say about you, not what you say about yourself, but what God says in his word about you is what's true. And God said he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were ever born. You're so special to him. And he promises that he has a plan for your life. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not qualified to serve God. If you're his child, you're forgiven. You can stand boldly before the throne of God and you can serve him. God had a plan. Even though man questioned that plan, God's plan was fulfilled. That's our last point. David went on, we know the stories. He went on to be the, one of the, probably the greatest king in Israel's history. He had some tough times. He had some bad times. Had some dark moments. But he still that's why I love David. Love David. He had some horrible, horrible mistakes in his life. But God still referred to him as a man after my own heart. Just because you have mistakes doesn't mean God can't love you. God doesn't love you. God can't use you. Don't let those things hold you back because God wants to fulfill a plan in your life. How was that plan fulfilled? David was anointed king, okay? David and his family knew he was appointed anointed as king. Did David just automatically become king? No, it was several years before he took over. But where did he serve? He served in the courts of King Saul. Christian and I were just talking about this the other day when we were driving traveling back and forth for different places at Christmas. And I love her as a sounding board. She is a wealth of biblical knowledge, and I love that she challenges me and is able to talk through these things with me. But David was anointed king, yet he chose to serve in the court of the king that he knew he was going to replace. And he never threw that up in Paul's face. He never said, you know what, God's anointed me to be king, so you just be quiet. He served where God had him to be serving at that point in time. Some of you think, man, if I can't do this, then I'm just I, I'm, it's not worth doing. Serve where God has you placed. There are no small ministries. If God's called you to a place, if God's placed you in a place of service, you serve him the best way you know how in that place. It takes all types of people. It takes all types of ministries for God's work. God can use all types of ministries for his work to be accomplished, to fulfill his plan. David was humble. And again, didn't consider being anointed as king something to throw up in people's face or, or, or stand on. You know who else was like that? Who else, the Bible says, have an attitude that's also in Christ Jesus? Who existed in the form of man, but he considered equality with God not anything to be used for his own purpose or, or a thing to be grasped. But he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And because of that, God highly exalted him, gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, King Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord. Humility, humble service, is how we fulfill God's plan for our life. Because after King David, about a thousand years later, God had another plan that he set into motion. And it was a plan that didn't make sense. A little baby in Bethlehem. People were waiting for a great king, a mighty conqueror, to come and be the Messiah, not a little baby. But again, even though it was questioned, God's plan was fulfilled. Jesus lived a perfect life, a humble life. Died on the cross, paid once and for all for your sin, for my sin, so that we can be called his children. And we can stand and serve him boldly, unashamed. And you stand faultless before God because of the blood of Jesus. God has a plan for you. Even though it may seem mixed up at times. Even though you may be going through a storm of life right now, God still has a plan. He hasn't abandoned you. Maybe you're going through some good times of life. God still has a plan for you. One of the best, one of the most, one of my favorite things about going to Christie's family for Christmas is they always take time to read the Christmas story before they open presents. They get us all together in the room, in the, in the living room, all the kids together. And Christy's dad goes and gets the big, the big white Bible that you usually see laying on the Lord's Supper. He gets the big white Bible, comes and brings it out and he lays it out. And somebody reads the Christmas story. Usually Tom, but Christie's read it before, different family members read it. Starting out that story in Luke out of that big Bible says that it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus and the rest of the story. The first five words, and it came to pass. Whatever you're going through in life today, it's going to pass. Life. This life is going to pass. If you're going through storms, they're going to pass. I don't mean to be a downer, but if you're going through good times, they're going to pass. Life is full of hills and valleys. And the only way to make it through successfully is to hold on to a God who never changes. It's to hold on to a God that's never going to pass. Because once this life does pass, all that matters matters is what you did with Jesus. What you did with the plan that he had for your life. How you served him. Did you know him? When you had one of my great friends go to be with Jesus this week, and we paid tribute to him yesterday, just a life well lived, a life full of serving other people, when our time is over here on this earth, what is going to be said about you and your life? Did you show up every week and sit in a pew and sing some songs and listen to a sermon and then go out and go about your business and come back next week? Or did you serve God? Did you... Get actively involved in the plan that God has for your life and the service that he has for your life. I hope you'll make a choice as this new year starts to make 2015 a year where you jumped in with both feet into the plan, into the ministry, into the the work that God has for your life. Quit holding back, thinking, man, I'm not qualified. Man, I, wait till I get this done. Wait till I get, th- I've got a plan. Wait till I get this, this, and this. Then I can get serious about God. God's saying, give it all to me, and then we'll take care of that stuff together. Why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes where you're at this morning? I don't know what Christmas is like for you. For most, we assume it's a happy and fun time, but for Christmas, some, it's a tough time. It brings back memories, or you're missing somebody, or it's just been a tough, tough year for you this year, maybe. And again, maybe it's been a good year. Wherever you're at in life, know that God is the God that's never going to change. He loves you, He wants a relationship with you. If you're in the middle of one of those storms of life, hold on. Trust God. If you're questioning whether you can be loved, if you're questioning whether you can be used by God, trust God. He loves you. He's not going to forsake you. You're not unqualified, no matter what other people sell you. What's true about you is what God says about you. And if you're his child, he says you're faultless because of the blood of Jesus.